It's Sunday. You know what that means. Another episode of the BWF podcast. <laughs> I, am, I am your host, the Dish. And as always, I'm joined by Sir Patrick Condon. Patrick, how are you this week, friend? What up, what up? Uh, another banner week for me. One for the for the record books. We'll probably get into that a bit later, but I'm doing great. How you doing, pal? A little hungover today, but you know, besides that, pretty good. Can't complain. Um, oh yeah. You know, or not, I got some broken blood vessels from throwing up last night. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Too much last night. Yeah, yeah. At your age, at forty years old, that doesn't sound like it's very healthy. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Me and my nephew, we haven't seen each other in probably two years, so he's so we got together and we had a round of golf and. Uh, just around the golf alone, we drank eight beer each. It was ridiculous. And then we went to a bar, which I don't remember going to, eating wings I don't remember eating. Then we went to a strip club where I do remember projectile vomiting all over the place. <laughs> in the stall in the bathroom, it was pretty gross, yeah. Wow, did you get kicked out for uh, for that kind of behavior? I cleaned it up the best I could. And then when I was able to get out of the stall... I was escorted by Danny and somebody else <laughs> outside into a cab where we uh, had to stop on the way home on the highway because I was getting sick again. And because I was getting sick, it was making Danny sick. So Danny's watching me throw up and then making him throw up. And then I was watching him throw up. It was making me throw up. Just one of those. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like out of a and movie. The cab driver was having a good laugh at us. Oh, my God. It was it was just quite the scene. <laughs> I bet. How were the girls at the club? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I yeah. think, yeah, that's my first time being at the Red Deer Strip Club. So I don't really remember much. I remember sitting down at Pervert's Row for probably 10 minutes and then the room was just spinning and then I had to go and that was it. Did you spend much money, do you know, uh, down there? I don't, think, I don't think I spent any money. I think I bought one drink and because this drink, yes, the drink was really strong. That's what set me off. The drink was super strong. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Danny said that he took out money for lap dances and we never got one. So I don't think we were there for very long. <laughs> so that's good. I mean, normally, I don't want to be telling tales out of school here, but when Bish goes out to a club of that particular brand, uh, he wakes up the next day and sees quite the dent in his uh, finances. Is that fair to say? That is quite fair to say. Yeah, I've had that reputation. <laughs> well, that's good. I, well, you know, maybe you are throwing up in cabs and in strip clubs at 40, but you have grown up in other ways. I have. <laughs> I like to think I have. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I guess it also helps that you have somebody kind of looking over your shoulder these days about where the finances are going, too, right? I'm sure Susan wouldn't be thrilled to see uh, hundreds of dollars spent on such things. No, no, not at all. And said, so this is the first time I even went to the strip club here in Red Deer. I've been here for fuck, seven years now. <laughs> nice. Wow. You're a change for him. So that's pretty sweet. Now, are you going to be in condition to be able to do the trivia this week? Or is that something that you can't even, even really fathom? He's grabbing something. Folks, he's got it. He's got the pink Whitney, Whitney. again. Yes. <laughs> Same as last week. Bishop, I'm I'm gonna give you the big cheer. You are a trooper, my friend. That is uh, that is G level shit right there. That's great. I'm willing to get drunk for the show, even with possible alcohol poisoning. That's my dedication. 
I love it. I don't recommend it to any of our listeners, and uh, I don't subscribe to such behavior anymore, but I love to see it. I love to hear you having a good time, and, you know, we're still celebrating that big top 30 reveal last week. Yes. what that, I'm still on a high from that. That, that is such... That was so so that was so cool, man. Like just revealing that on, on the air like that. Like we had no idea at all. It was it was great, man. Fantastic shit. It is, um, yeah. And um... in case anybody didn't hear last week's episode or not they're not caught up, we revealed last week live on the air that we are the number 29 podcast of wrestling in all of Canada. Thank you very much to all our listeners. Absolutely. And that is in no small part to all of our uh, listeners out there talking Canada wide in perhaps the hungriest per capita place for wrestling fans. So, uh, I mean, we're balling to, to reuse that phrase again. We're balling. And you know what? It's even crazy. I was looking at some of our numbers. 30% of our audience comes from the States. Oh, really? Yeah. 30%. That's good. I love, uh, I love America. Yeah. It's amazing. I love America. I love everything about it. And I'm glad that we have some listeners down there and uh, let's grow on that. Any uh, indication on how many females we have in our audience? Females? Probably just the one. (laughs) But I don't know. Hey, we're we're 29 again uh, in all across Canada. So we, we must have some female support somewhere. We well, we certainly do, and it's with that in mind that I really quickly just need to bring up that I uh, was getting a little bit of flack from our female audience. So we definitely have more than one. I can tell you from the emails <laughs> that I received, and I'm a bad boy. I made some uh, some remarks last week that were a little insensitive, and I didn't realize what was going on. Um, we're just talking here, folks, a lot of the time, and sometimes some things are said, and some people take offense to it. It's hard not to offend people in this day and age, I guess. So, I, to be honest with you, at this point, fish, I, I don't even know what I said anymore. Um, normally, people come back with a, a clip or an emoji and saying oh, when Pat did this, but now it's just like, well, you know, I'm getting just generic hate mail. So I just want to apologize to all the women out there. I'm sorry. And, um, and I I guess I'll just stop giving those hot takes. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's as sincere as I can make it this week. (laughs) That's as sincere as you can make it. I can't even say I can feel the... (laughs) I'm getting tired of this gimmick. (laughs) It's getting hard. And I got, uh, you know, potential employers now looking uh, at this show and judging it. And I was thinking about that today. I was like, if they just clicked onto the wrong spot and just heard me kind of apologizing sincerely about comments against, I, I mean, we've, I've said, all the communities, women yeah. and LGBT, like any community. So, um, yeah, it's risky stuff doing this, and it lives forever on the internet. But we like to play hard, and you know, you don't get top thirty in Canada by playing it safe, do you, Bish? No, absolutely not. So we're gonna keep pushing the envelope, keep giving people what they want, the entertainment value, 
is amazing on the show. I don't even know how we're not top 10, honestly, by now. This show is amazing. I love doing this show. We're going to get there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're on we're on a war path right now, and uh, it's only up and, and onward. I, I, all these podcasts that come out, you know, oh, uh, we like talking about wrestling. They do one, they do two episodes, and then they fade, you know? We haven't missed a week yet, Bish, and we are... What is this? Like, this is the 78th episode, are we? We're almost in double no, digits. I, I, I think this is the 8th episode, I'm pretty sure. Give me a hell yeah! Ooh, yeah. All right, Steve, that's enough. So I had that sound clip um, since day one. Been waiting to use it. So what do we got for the folks this week, Bish? What are we talking about? Well, last week we started off with uh, the 1996 championship reign of Shawn Michaels with Diesel and Shawn Michaels at Good Friends, Better Enemies. Great match. Uh, And then Diesel and Scott Hall would fuck off to WCW. Now we're going to quickly recap 1996, the rest of the year for Shawn Michaels' championship run, and we're going to watch the championship match at Survivor Series 1996 between himself and Psycho Sid. One of my favorites, one of my favorite entrances, and Sid generally is one of my favorite uh, performers, both in and out of the ring, just a really interesting guy. Hope I never meet him. Maybe we'll switch it up a little bit this week. I know that normally we go right into the game show, but I'm thinking that it might be good to hear maybe a little bit of feedback from our viewers. What do you think, Bish? Yeah. This is the BWF Viewer Mailbag. Folks, if you want to get in touch with us like all of our fans have been doing, you just have to write in. Aaron, tell the good people how to get in touch with us. Yes, you can get in touch at bwfpodcasts at gmail.com. Yeah, I, I didn't catch that, but I wonder how many pieces of mail we have because people are putting in B-D-U-B-F podcasts. It's not. It's the right. letter B, the letter W, the letter F, podcasts, plural, at gmail.com. It's so simple, ladies and gentlemen. One more time. That is B-W-F podcasts at gmail.com heck yeah thank you all right so we got our first uh we got our first piece of mail here it says just randomly chose i'm actually being inundated with so much mail both of love and hate that i can't really get through them all now so i'm randomizing what i am reading out but we do try to get to them all eventually folks here is the first piece uh hey patrick I just want to say thank you for your work. Your amazing broadcasting voice is perfect to me. I often play all the podcasts on a playlist as I go to sleep, and it's because your voice is so soothing. Have you ever thought about doing broadcasting as a career, even if it's just a part-time gig? Hey, if you're worried about people invading your privacy and always trying to track you down so that they can record you speaking and then go home and listen to it because it's soothing and helps them sleep, Patrick, if that's a real concern for you, then you could go by an alias. What do you think? Aaron, do you believe in ghosts? Kim Parsons from Parts Unknown. Thank you, Kim. Very good. Very complimentary, Kim. Thank you so much. Yes, my broadcasting voice has been really uh, sought after recently, and I um, want to announce now that the uh, job I was alluding to of a potential employer 
was for a uh, radio broadcasting job, Aaron, and they listened to this podcast to see if I had the goods. And I'm happy to announce that they agree I have the goods. I got the job. You got the job. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So this will be, uh, I'll be on terrestrial radio. And they did mention, I mentioned a whole bunch in my interview, how much of a wrestling fan uh, I am in the podcast that I did with you. And uh, they specifically mentioned the uh, trivia as their favorite segment. Go figure. And they did also say that I should come up with some sort of alias. And I don't know if that's like their polite way of saying that, you know, I could be ridiculed for having a last name that sounds suspiciously similar to Condon, Condom, excuse me. Yeah. Or if it's really just like trying to uh, make sure that I don't shit where I eat, so to say, uh, so to speak, you know, other things I'm doing. So I'm going to put it out there for everybody. And Aaron, you could do this too. If anybody has any kind of ideas for what I could go as on the radio, I, maybe I'll keep Patrick or Pat, or maybe you could give me something brand new. Sometimes these DJs, Aaron, they have wacky names like they like pecan, you know, or something like that. Um, <laughs> I, don't don't suggest that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. But uh, any sort of thing, I, I'd be uh, more than happy to humor it. I might not necessarily take it, but maybe we will. Maybe if we get a bunch, we could put up a voting thing and sort of take it from there and see what the people want. But I digress, Aaron. What? you what do you say about these uh ghosts do you have any ghost stories do you believe in ghosts i do believe in ghosts i went on um uh, one of those uh you know like uh, when you watch the tv shows like the ghost hunters and all that stuff they do like the you know their investigation whatever so we went on, on a supernatural investigation it was down in california we went on the queen mary and it was at midnight that we started this thing it was a group of probably i don't know seven to ten of us and they would give out instruments just like you see on the show, like electromagnetic detectors and stuff like that. It was really cool. And it was, you know, uh, it was just creepy. Like, I, I, can't, I can't explain this. Like, the stuff that happened that night was unreal. I mean, it started off, you know, we're down in the engine room and <laughs> we're down in like, the engine room and the boiler room and stuff like that. And we hear just like sounds and stuff. But we're like, you know, that's just a ship, whatever. Like, yeah. How many people were? How many people were in the uh, were in the group with you? I'd say probably seven to ten of us. And plus, so, and so, like when you went in there, were you were you a believer of ghosts then, or did you go in with some suspicion? Uh, you always go in with some suspicion, but you know, I always kind of like to think that I like to believe in ghosts. I don't know, like it's just it's gotta be to me there's gotta be something after right so i like the the thought of there being ghosts means there's there's something after so it gives me some sort of comfort i guess hell yeah uh, no i i hear you i agree with you so it was me and john and these two people from australia we broke up our group into smaller groups yeah creepier and we were in this room and i said we have one of those electromagnetic detectors um if you put your hand so if you have it in your hand and it lies still, there's, nothing happens, right? It's just there. But if you put your hand over it, all kinds of crazy colors start happening. There's, it starts going crazy because it detects the stuff. Okay, like the electricity okay. or something, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you put your hand over it, it goes crazy. You don't do anything, it doesn't do anything. So we put this thing on the table in the middle of the room. And we're, no, one's, no one's around it. 
the thing's not doing anything. And then all of a sudden I started asking questions and I said, if there's anything in this room, show us. And then this thing started going crazy, man. Like, oh, oh yeah. Four of us were start freaking the fuck out. We're like, wow. And it would legit like, it, like it would go with my questions. Like it was crazy. And shortly after that, we heard this dude and like this guy is probably in his thirties, you know, late thirties, uh, a man's man kind of thing. And this guy screamed bloody murder, like, screamed <laughs> and he started crying. He came back and really? he was crying, wow. crying scratch marks all the way down his back. It was what? crazy. Yeah. He took off his shirt and his, there's claw marks all the way down his back. And he was sobbing like a baby. Now, like, did you, that's crazy. Uh, now, I'm by nature suspicious, paranoid. Did you think that this guy maybe was in on it or the girls from Australia or like, no? That's not the impression I got at all. No. No. So if, if yeah. they were good on him, but they were just like me and John kind of thing, right? It was. It would have we been were... pretty elaborate if everybody except for you and John were, were in exactly. on it, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, if that guy got scratched, like, uh, you know, claw marks yeah, down the like, back. He took his shirt off and we saw the scratch marks. It was legit. Like. He got clawed. It was months. Can yeah. you sue? Can you sue for something like that? You got to think. Well, right? you got signed waivers. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's not the first time, I guess. Did did they mention? Did you talk to like whoever it was that was putting yeah, this off? Yeah, apparently that was the, the biggest physical thing they've ever seen on one of these tours. The, it's happened before where um, people get scratched or, but not like to that degree. It was it was crazy. Another thing too, we we were all in the room. We all had headphones on, and it and it was really quiet, and nobody was saying anything. And then we went back and listened to the conversation afterwards, or listened to herself afterwards, and we could hear whispers, like hmm. and nobody was talking. It was fucked. Wow. Like it, good stuff. It was a really cool experience, man. Like I I highly recommend everybody once in their life go do one of these ghost um, investigations or whatever to call them because it's. It's something else. It sounds awesome. It sounds, yeah, like it's uh, one way or another. It sounds like it's a good time. Like you get your money's worth. As Absolutely. like, so uh, what was it again? The Queen Mary. So I guess you just search. Cool. I like that. So now, since then, I guess you're a believer of ghosts. You know, there's an afterlife, and you probably have uh, some sort of peace of mind now. Peace of mind, exactly. That's beautiful. Next question. Hey guys, this weekend is a busy one for wrestling fans with many major cards happening. Well, I think it'll end up being better than its lead up. I think the four pillars match on Double or Nothing's uh, main event is the least exciting main event that AEW has ever done. With that in mind, what do you guys think is the worst main event in WWE history? And bros, let's make it interesting and leave out WrestleMania. That's from Tony Tickles from Trenton. Aaron. Leaving out WrestleMania. That's a nice little touch to that question. Okay. Mm-hmm. The worst main event. If we're going to go for a Raw, probably Booker T and Buff Bagwell. Right. That one that killed the, the plans for bringing back w- Nitro, right? Yeah, that literally killed, literally killed the plan to bring back WCW and to have it as its own separate brand, like SmackDown kind of thing, but legit separate brand. Yeah, the match was so bad. Vince is like, nope, fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It was, um, it's so strange because you hear that even when they bring in like Chris Jericho and like guys that 
could go. Even Chris had this learning curve of how to work the WWE style, right? Uh, and apparently Sean Waltman is big in that, in, in teaching people how to uh, get uh, accustomed to the style and sort of signing off whether or not somebody can make it. So it's weird that they would throw Buff Bagwell out there without any real test to see if he could do yeah, what Vince wants. Yeah, yeah. Oh, out there, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it seems like he was set up for failure or the whole thing was set up for failure. And WCW at that point was like, WCW as a brand is worth way more now than it was when it was purchased, right? Yeah. It was only purchased for like 2.3 million or something, something stupid. Like it was a low, low figure. Yeah. It was mostly the the catalog, I guess, but which is worth way more than that now too but especially now i mean streaming wasn't even a thing it was just something that they bought for dvds at the time it was pretty smart investment absolutely you want to go for pay-per-view main event maybe diesel and mabel Mm -hmm. that one came across that one came across to me too that was bad and that was bad it was bad on paper it was bad in execution and uh, we talked about it before old kev got his back messed up and uh, mabel almost got fired so yeah pretty disastrous main event um all said and done so i know no wrestlemanias i'm gonna leave out Raws. i'm gonna leave out sort of the secondary pay-per-views and thinking of uh the big ones and i would go with another SummerSlam main event which would be Yokozuna versus Lex Luger. Oh, yeah, there you go. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, with the buildup, the buildup was ridiculous. It was. Um, the match, utterly forgettable except for its worst parts, and killed Luger's career in WWF. Didn't do anything for Yokozuna. It made everybody, like, it made everybody came out of that looking dumb. Uh, yeah. The celebration afterwards with the confetti. Celebration is the only thing I remember of this match. I've seen this pay-per-view multiple yeah. times in my life, and I don't remember anything of this match except for that celebration. And again, like, it's so strange that w- you did all this build-up to it. I- I'd love to know when Vince decided that Lex wasn't going to win it, you know? Uh, I heard that it was during the... Uh, what is it, Lex Express, right? That bus tour that they were seeing that Lex was no Hulk Hogan in terms of like, he didn't like meeting with the fans. He didn't like doing the media. He wasn't, you know, the type of guy that was people friendly, I guess, as Hogan. So maybe that was the big change. They had already, you know, they're already on the road to uh, SummerSlam at that point. But I mean, God, (laughs) why not just give him the belt? So that you don't look like an idiot and then get it off of him for Survivor Series or something like that or up in Saskatoon. According to Bruce Pritchard, he was really, really awful at doing the promos. Like it would uh, a promo, a simple promo that would that should have taken probably an hour to shoot would take eight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. They, yes, that's right. Yeah. He's got to put up with him. Which is funny. I love Lex. Why do I love Lex? Just to win the title at WrestleMania 10. Yes, I, yeah, I know. They had him come out, and Vince was like, what do you think of this? He was wearing the, the belt on dark television. Yeah, and then he went around and flapped his gums and told everybody he was going to win the title the day before WrestleMania happened. Mm. He got drunk at a bar and literally told everybody he was winning the title, and so Vince changed his mind. 
It's a different time. It's a different yeah. time. Where would we be now with old Lex as a champion, especially at that WrestleMania 10? I don't know. Thank you, Lex. We don't know either. <laughs> Nice. Next question. Hey, fellas, none of the champions is happening soon. And while it traditionally means that all champions are involved on the card, it's not happening this year as U.S. champion Austin Theory isn't even in the country. It's taking place in uh, Saudi Arabia. You can't tell me this isn't another example of WWE crapping over WCW's legacy. So it got me thinking about the best days of the U.S. title. Who do you think is the best pre-WWE U.S. champion? Keep on trucking, Jack the Jobber. So, Bish, I guess, like, maybe your favorite or kind of in the same way that, you know, uh, when it comes to the IC title, people think Mr. Perfect or they'll think Razor or they'll think... Brad or uh, Macho. Right, Brad or Macho, right. Who, if anybody, is that for the U.S. title? When I, when I think of the U.S. title, I think of WCW U.S. title. Honestly, the first names that pop in my brain are Diamond Dallas Page. Mm. Raven, um, Sorry, was I going Raven? Yeah, Raven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they had a really good feud. So, yeah, it was Benoit, Raven, DDP, and Tully Blanchard. For me, are the four that I think of when it comes to the U.S. title. And out of those... I think either Diamond Dallas Page or Tully Blanchard would be my favorites. I love that you brought up Raven. I loved Raven in WCW. Yeah. In the, in... Raven in WCW was awesome. Yeah. Great game. Oh, Here my God. Go. Yeah. And the flock was so cool. And, yeah, he was uh, – he had this, you know, whole grunge thing going on. I never saw the ECW stuff until much, much later. But there oh, is uh, – Casey Commentaries released the interview they did with Raven that – I think it was – it's – they go sort of month by month. It's timeline, and it's 1998, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, so that was recently released. I checked it out because Raven is a great talker, too. And, yeah, great mind. Good shadow. Good. I, I think uh, Raven deserves a little bit more credit. Kind of the same as, like, as Sid. Like, you know, you, you see these jobbers that are in the WWE Hall of Fame, and those two aren't, and it doesn't set well with me, let me tell you that. Oh. Mine, funny enough would be Lex Luger. <laughs> Lex Luger is the <laughs> has the he's number one in terms of days with the title. Uh and that's including WWE runs. To this day, Lex Luger has held the title more than any other person. Five reigns, combined days, 950 days with the title. Steve Austin had a pretty cool run when he was uh in WCW with it. Cool, yeah. I, I wonder like, if they're going to get that title off Austin Theory sooner than later. What do you think? I, I know that you're kind of like me and not really keeping up with the product very much, but it seems like Austin Theory right now is not really landing. Don't care about Austin Theory. Current product sucks. Fuck it. It does, and it doesn't help that they are just getting the records for longest ever. So, like, they're not moving the championships off of Roman, you know, and obviously That's have no it. plans because they just – had a match where they invented a new one, world title, right? That mm -hmm. Seth Rollins one, which mm -hmm. is fine. I'm glad that he, he you know, it, it makes sense. And apparently that they are, they're pushing that one now. Is the the work rate title, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically this is going to be the new intercontinental title because the, the IC title back in the day was the the work rate title, you know, for your workers, for your Bret Hart's, Mr. Perfect, yeah. stuff like that. 
where and then you, you get your Hulk Hogan as your world title, you know, to sell the tickets. They're wanting this new world heavyweight title that they just commissioned this past weekend, which Seth Rollins won. They want this to be the new work rate title. So, yeah. I, do I mean, they need it, though? Because the other example is that uh, is that Gunther is on his way to becoming uh, the longest reigning IC champion. And the IC title was the work rate title. And, I mean, Gunther is any card that he's been on uh, in a singles match since joining NXT UK has been the best card of the night. Yeah, 100%. Some of his matches. The other, the Russian guy, the little Russian guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Dragonoff, that, isn't it? Ilya Dragonoff. Yeah. Ilya Dragonoff. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, that uh, guy. these yeah. guys have had fantastic matches. If you ever have a few, a few minutes to spare, go YouTube these matches. Gunther. Or Walter uh, back then versus Ilya Dragunov, five stars, hard hitting, fantastic match. They that had was... a match uh, during lockdown, so in 2020, yeah. in an empty stadium, yeah. and yeah. it was the best. Like it was, yeah. yeah, it was it was just as good if there if there was a crowd. There was probably the best lockdown match. So I mean, Gunther and the IC title, as far as I'm, they don't need this other title, this world heavyweight. Well, they should. If anything, want to just have Seth Rollins take the U.S. title from Austin Theory and make that their fucking yeah um, main title until they get the ones off Roman. Like I don't why 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 make new titles when they were to have titles that don't have any meaning. Like it's just watered everything. It's watering everything now. It's bullshit. Hell yeah, Bish. You're right. The people agree with you, and I do too. Okay, moving on to our last question. Gentlemen, congrats on your success with the podcast. Being in the uh, top 30 for wrestling podcasts in Canada is quite the accomplishment, especially after only being around for a few weeks. This person is saying what we've already said. I love all the segments on the show, but I do have an issue with the trivia segment. How is Aaron doing shots considered a punishment? If it were Patrick, I would understand that there would be a lot on the line for that. But for Bishop, it just seems like fun. And then in the end, he gets a bunch of gifts. I have a few ideas of how to up the ante. How about Bish has to at least gargle the shot before he swallows it? If that doesn't work, (laughs) I have more ideas and I'll write them in next week for the next show. Please, Aaron, do this. You have to make it right with your loyal fans. And that's from Beth from Benton. Well, Bish, um, right, I'll gargle, I'll gargle, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you are, I could see with the uh, glazed look of your eyes that you are still drunk. And so this was the perfect time to uh, pitch that to you. So good on you, Beth. Thank you. Yeah. And, and maybe it'll be good for the listening audience at home to hear that shot, that guttural gurgling shot go down your gullet. I won't be Jack Daniels anytime soon doing that, but uh, I'll definitely gargle. We'll see. When I mean, we're gonna have to figure out something for your final ten, like the or final five, let's say. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Final ten, yeah, final ten. We should have something special. You're right. Okay, and with that in mind, it's that time of week. It seems to be everybody's favorite. It's the uh, BWF 
trivia. So for anybody that's new, trivia is the uh, march for Bishop to get 100 points, one point per question. Once Bishop hits 100 points, he will receive a wrestling loot bag gift prize. However, for every question he gets wrong, he has to take one shot. Now he has to gargle it as an added bonus. Bish, you are now at 31. Sounds you right. had a great you had a great week last week when it came to the AEW Double or Nothing uh, trivia, which I'm I'm impressed. There was questions there. I was there at the event with you. I didn't think that you would get a majority of them, but I think you came out with a six and four, which is pretty good. Yes, please give it up for it. Now, normally I like to do a theme. I don't really have a theme this week. This was a quiz that I was going to do last week and may have made more sense. But then I remembered that Double or Nothing, I thought it was the anniversary, but now it's this week. Anyways, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why people leave me in charge of this. But either way, are you ready, Aaron? I am ready. Let's do it. For one point, Aaron, who were the SmackDown Six? Edge, Rey Mysterio, Angle, Benoit, and Los Guerreros, Eddie and Chavo. You got it, buddy. That's one for one. Congratulations. Let's move on to the next one. At the time of the writing of this question, which would have been April 2019, the WWE title had only changed hands three times in SmackDown history. What was the very first time that the world title changed hands? And a WWE title, not split world or undisputed or whatever. You got it? Kurt Angle, Battle Royal. sorry bud it in september 1999 vince mcmahon defeated triple h for the wwe title he is now pouring up the shot it's a uh, vodka based pink liquor shot from uh, the boys of barstool sports uh, pink whitney Splitting, spitting chiclets. Maybe we get on board with those guys. Maybe they're part of our audience. But uh, here's Bish. I've never actually gargled a shot before, so I don't know what I'm getting myself into. But uh, here we go. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That was great. Thank you. And as you were doing that, I was like, this is what they used to make other wrestlers do in the bars to make sure that yes. they weren't. Yeah, so it's so appropriate. Beth, what a good stipulation. It uh, looks like it worked, Bish. How was it going down with the uh, with the gargling? It's a little more rough, that's for sure, but it's yeah. we're all about here. And yeah, Bishop is worse for wear. If you throw up, you can't wear. leave. You cannot leave, all right? Somewhere nope. waiting. <laughs> one for one. One and one, sorry. Question three. 
This person is the only wrestler to forfeit the WWF Tag Team Intercontinental and World Title. Who is the person? Only person. Person to forfeit. Forfeit. Three. The big three titles. Yeah. Hmm? Um, people that come to my mind first is Edge. Um... John Michael, but uh, maybe even Batista. Ooh, yeah, Batista. That's a good one, too. Um, uh, you know what? I want to go for Edge. I think it's wrong, but I'll go for Edge. You were on the right path. It is Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Fuck. Tag team. I don't remember him forfeiting the tag. Oh, I do. God. Uh, I should have had that one. Okay. We love to hear it otherwise, though, Bish. The audience. Every time you get one right, I'm going to do the winner sound and then maybe make, see if the audience wants to boo you. I don't know. But right now, we're all happy we're watching you and wearing your King of Hearts shirt from uh, AEW or nothing. Shout out. You can actually matches the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's all pink. Yeah, it's nice. It's good. Here we go. Shot number two. <laughs> this is so good. Thank you, thank you. What are you uh, what are you shooting? What are you chasing with this week, Fish? Ginger ale? The best ginger ale. Ooh. Compliments. I, yeah, it is. That is good stuff. It's full sugar, yeah. huh? It is full sugar. Hey, speaking of Shawn Michaels, on question four, we know that Shawn is a licensed and ordained minister for what kind of Christian church? It's an easy one. It's an easy one. Look at you. Well done. Yes. Shawn Michaels is a licensed and ordained Pentecostal minister. Wow. So that puts you at two for two, Bish. It's crazy that an ordained minister could ha- come out to this theme song, huh? I'm surprised that the Pentecost don't have an issue with that. Question five. Now, who wrote Shawn Michaels' famous entrance music? We just heard it there. Jim Johnson. No! Is it Jimmy Hart? The Mouth of the South. Jimmy Hart, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, no! I think he's cute. I'll turn it down oh, a bit here so that we can listen to uh, to it as you uh, pour up your shot. I'm so angry. I'm getting, like, these questions that I'm being obliterated again. We, uh, it reminds me, this song always reminds me of a time that we were out really like the sun was coming up, but we weren't drinking or anything. We were with a fellow named Jared, uh, and I think Drover was with us, and it was, the sun was coming up, we were in a parking lot, and we were smoking weed, and you performed the entirety of this song, a cappella, and then as we were about to back out and leave, we saw that the car in front of us on the license plate was HBK. Do you remember that? Hey. <laughs> Holy go. shit, man. That's a good forgotten memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bottoms up. 
This is so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Wonderful. You are now uh, two and three. Two and three for the week. Ish. Every time it looks more and more surlier. I love it. Who did Shawn Michaels beat for his final WWF championship before his return in 2002? It hurt. Yeah, I figured that that would be... The, the actual trivia question was, who did Shawn beat for his first and final WWF championship before uh, his return? And Bret Hart, both cases. Both cases, yep, that's right. Crazy. All right, so that brings you up to a beautiful, respectful three and three. Mm, 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 mm. Who did Ahmed Johnson face at Royal Rumble of 1996? Ahmed Johnson at the Royal Rumble 1996. Yes, sir. Ooh, uh, my initial gut is telling me Jeff Jarrett. Would you like a multiple choice? I would like a multiple choice, please. Yes. Okay. So the choices are A, Vader, B, Goldust, C, Jeff Jarrett, D, Baruch. I'm going to go with Jeff Jarrett. Yes. You got her, buddy. Well done. He did. He defeated Jeff Jarrett by disqualification. I don't remember the finish to that, but uh, Ahmed Johnson was awesome. Uh, smashed a guitar over his head from the top rope. Are you, are you joking? <laughs> really? Wow. Didn't draw a dime. Beautiful stuff, Bish. Beautiful stuff. That puts you, you're in, on the up now. Four and three. We're going to question number eight. Uh, who did Shawn Michaels have a match with at February's In Your House of 96? Owner. Boom! Well, yeah, and boo. You're right, buddy. Wow. What does that put you at now? Five and three. This may be your best week ever. But that could all change. All change, yeah. <laughs> so, who did Mankind face in his WWF debut the night after the 12th WrestleMania? This is a jobber. Sorry, is there a multiple choice in this one? Yes. A, Aldo Montoya, B, Road Dog, C, Stone Cold, or D, Bob Holly. I'm going to go for A, Aldo Montoya. Oh! Sorry, bud. Good guess. Uh, it was actually the other jobber, Bob Holly. Bob Holly. Yes, sir. So uh, that puts you at five and four. I wonder if Aldo Montoya was even around the night after WrestleMania 12. Oh, God. It's hard to say. He might have been sent packing down to ECW at that point, hey? He might have been, yeah. Yeah. Just incredible. Yes. Yes. He was not cool, even for us back in grade five, grade six, no. or grade seven, or whatever. It did not work. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Oof. Folks, when we uh, uh, when we go to video on this, you're going to see, we're going to figure out another reason to keep this party going, but it's amazing. 
Bishop, thank you. How, yeah. how are they going on? They're going down a little bit easier. Hey, you don't look like you're going to get sick or anything, hey? No, no, I'm good. I'm yeah. Good. He's a man. A man. Boom. And here we are, the final question of the evening and of the week. Question 10. Bish, this can put you at six and four or even five and five. Either way, not a bad week for you, I don't think, all things considered. Which of these special attraction matches was not on a pay-per-view in 1996? A, boiler room. B, ladder match. C, strap match. D, cage match. Ladder. Oh, my God. Like, when you get them, you get them so good, like, right away. It's almost like, and so you got it, and you're six and four, and everybody's very happy for you. <laughs> Which puts you up to uh, 37 overall. Quite a leap. You must be feeling very good about yourself. I am. You know what? This week, I should have had more of those questions right, but fuck. Look. I'm still feeling all right. I'm not going to beat myself up too much. Don't no, don't. I mean, it was uh, it was good. Uh, the quest for uh, a perfect ten still goes on, but uh, you took you took a mean jump here. Now you're looking around. You could uh, be within sort of spitting distance of 50, 50 questions this time next week. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and that was the game show. That was the trivia, folks. Thank you very much for our sponsors, uh, Spit and Chicklets and Pink Whitney. Thank you to Danny for getting Bishop a little drunk and making sure that he didn't get all ten of those questions correct. Thank you to the strippers at the strip club. What is it called? The the Shaven Beaver. I don't even know what the name of it is, honestly. <laughs> That's, I mean, poor strippers, man. They don't, they don't mean nothing. I don't know if I'll have to apologize for that. I don't think anybody cares about strippers. Anyways, we're done with these two segments. You know what's coming up next? It's Bishop Peace Theater. I'm to learn some shit. Let's go back. Every day, and let's relive and discuss 1996. The, the end of 1996, arguably the the least cool year. What do you got for us, Bish? When last we left, I guess it would have been a little after Good Friends, Better Enemies. Yes. Right after this, Sean would pretty much enter a feud with the British Bulldog. The whole angle of this thing was Sean was being a womanizer, going after Diana and all this shit, and just being called a misogynist, sexist pig, pretty much. He's the baby face. He's the baby face, yeah. All right. So and he he had zero, zero sympathy, zero chill towards Diana and anything in this situation. Sean supposed to be the baby face was acting like a heel the whole time in this in this feud i don't i don't get the booking this or the storyline at all i really don't like it makes no sense to me trying to put over someone as the face of your company and then immediately labelize them or label them as as a womanizer i mean true or not it's just not good start <laughs> it's no, not a good start. 
and, and again, like we sort of touched upon this last week, I think that there might be like Sean, you know, his buddies are over in WCW. They're being badasses. People are calling the cops on them. And maybe he's trying to uh, get away from being the, um, the baby, you know, the smiling baby face. That they make. Bad boy, John, a little yeah. Bit. But it doesn't make any sense because uh, the fan base in the WWF at this point is still very much a uh, child based like they're cutting to to the audience and it's children mm -hmm. you remember the little girl wearing the stripper Shawn michaels sunglasses and stuff right yeah exactly but that being said like it i do think that it's around this time that the wwf is starting to finally transition itself from whatever the new generation shit was beforehand and start and starting to go more into the attitude era um i watched king of the ring 1996 this past week and if you haven't seen anybody listening if you have not seen this pay-per-view or you if you just haven't seen it in a long time go back and watch this pay-per-view top to bottom it's quite a gem it's a really really good pay-per-view um wow. yeah we have the king of the ring tournament you know the one where stone cold steve austin wins we have austin mm -hmm. versus mark merrill in a hell of a first match where steve austin's lip gets split wide open Oh yeah, yeah, that's oh, right. That, his lip is hanging; it's hanging there, and he's after the match. He has to go after a great match with Mark Merrill. He needs to go to the hospital and get stitches to come back later on and fight Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake Roberts and Vader had a first round match. Good stuff. Vader does; uh, he breaks his ribs, uh, Jake's ribs, and just kicks the crap out of him. How after does uh, how does Jake win that match? So Jake was going for a DDT and Vader uh, reached out and hauled in the referee as they were going down for the DDT. So he got disqualified. So uh, Jake, yeah. And then yeah. Vader. Good yeah. shit. Though. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. Warrior versus Jared King Lawler. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lawler comes out, man, just does his shit. You know, he comes out and just insults the crowd on the way out to the ring. Like just, just being classic, great heel Lawler um this is uh the lead up to this is the infamous uh ultimate warrior coming out and cutting a promo wearing a baseball cap promoting yes. his stuff you remember that yes this yes. you know supposed warrior from some sort of dimension far far away just walking down to the ring wearing a baseball cap like a schlub like me you know yeah exactly so uh so that is a forgotten uh, classic did it last longer than the triple h match with ultimate warrior at the mania 12 did yeah lawler actually got some offense in he was uh beating around the inside of the ring throwing to the ring post steps all that good stuff even got a Paul driver on him speaking he... of uh trips is he anywhere because he's being punished i think by this point right is he even on the pay-per-view now no, he lost a first round matchup to Jake. Oh wow, yeah, that's interesting. So, and uh, rumor has it is that he was supposed to win. He, according to him, he was supposed to win the champion or the yeah, no, title he was right? yeah. And yeah. So, um, after the curtain call incident, we uh, briefly talked about it last week. But we're um, we're Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, and Diesel, Kevin Ash. They were leaving the WWF um, after a house show in Madison Square Garden. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Razor, Diesel, and Triple H, all real-life good friends, went to the ring and shared an embrace, a hug, which was unheard of at the time because they were bad guys and they were good guys and there was none of this friendship shit that they're showing and it broke everybody's mind and, 
You know, Sean's a champion. He can't be punished, really. Diesel, uh, Diesel and Razor, they're gone to WCW. They can't be punished. So Vince McMahon, the only left person he could punish was Triple H. So Triple H was supposed to win the King's Ring of 1996. Instead, he's doing jobber duty for the next year, pretty much. And Stone Cold Steve Austin gets his opportunity. And boy, did he ever take it and seize it. Wow. That's right. That's right. That's where the Austin three sixteen uh, famous line. Oh, good. I watched yeah. that whole match. Like Jake and and uh, Steve Austin. Like Jake, his ribs are hurt the whole time. You know, obviously from Vader. Yeah. So, um, as soon as the match starts, it's just Austin going after the ribs, double axe handles, punches, kicks, just rib, rib, rib shot, rib shot, rib shot, and then finally, uh, Gorilla Monsoon actually comes out at one point to stop the match, but Jake's like, no. Don't stop it. Don't stop it. And then shortly after Stone Cold Stunner, one, two, three, Austin goes for his post-interview. And as Jake's walking to the back, being helped to the back, Austin's just there. And he's saying, talk about your John 316. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. And the place goes, like, you can hear hear the, (gasps) in the audience, like, holy shit. Like, that's good stuff, man. This pay-per-view is not not. Yeah, uh, amazing. And the thing is, is that you were talking about uh, Gorilla Monsoon coming out. Nobody remembers that match at all, right? Nobody remembers, I don't think, probably one detail of that match because it's all about the 316 speech at the uh, at the end. I assume that, that that was not the main event. No, the main event was Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog. Completely forgettable, I assume. It was forgettable, but, you know, every time Shawn Michaels goes out there in the main event... Uh, between 1994 and 1997, he shows you why he's Shawn Michaels. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, the stuff that he does, man, it's, it, you watch it, it's just like, wow, what the fuck? It was, it was a decent match. You know, um, it was a little bit slow at first, and it started to get going a little bit later. Um, one of the, I think it's actually one of Davey Boy Smith's better, better main events. Mm-hmm. It's just the finish wasn't that great. Um, it was like a screwy finish. They had Mr. Perfect as a as a referee, and there's actually two referees. They they, they announced Perfect as a referee, but they made him be the outside referee. And there's Earl Hebner as the main referee, and the two went to go for three count at the same time. And Owen, oh by the way, Owen Hart is on commentary this whole pay per view. Oh wow, that's probably amazing, is it? He makes a pay per view, and he makes this match too. Like he is just Owen Hart is commentary gold, especially yeah. in this. Uh, but when they go for the three count, it's Mr. Perfect and. Earl Hebner both doing it at the same time. Then Owen Hart comes in and he takes out Mr. Perfect to break up the three count. But Earl Hebner keeps going and he counts to three and they're like, oh, what the fuck? What the fuck? But it was a stupid finish. Deep watch, stupid finish. Yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like uh, Davy Boy was this monster heel. Put him over, put Sean over clean because as we know, Sean and what we'll talk about is Sean is going on to what is supposed to be a three match feud with big van bader who was brought in i believe at the beginning of 96 was, um, yeah. with the idea of working with their baby face champion you know uh, which they knew would be sean but even if it wasn't if it was brett or for whatever reason one of those two guys they would uh, work well on paper with a guy like vader yeah absolutely and you can tell they're building Vader up uh, in this pay-per-view and uh, this whole year, actually, just from just from his very debut when he fucking uh, beat the shit at a girl of Monsoon and they gave him the Vader bombs off the top rope and all that stuff. They built Vader up to be a big monster and he was good, man. Like they did. I think I think they did a really good job building him up. 
over the next few months, you'll see that by the time SummerSlam hits, uh, the crowd is, you know, they're not 50-50, but Vader's got some support in the crowd. So I think they did a, a pretty good job. Really? So is that, so? I mean, the match at SummerSlam, which we'll, I guess, just touch upon fairly briefly, hmm. was Shawn Michaels, Vader, uh, infamous for Shawn having a hissy fit in the middle of this match, and then subsequently refusing to work with Vader afterwards for saying that he was too stiff and uh, didn't know how to work right. And that would be kind of the end of anything with Vader of any note, right? Unfortunately, yeah. I watched SummerSlam 96 a couple days ago. I thought the main event between Vader and Sean was actually really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, the first 15 minutes, Sean is just, he's, I mean, the first 10 minutes, he's actually given to Vader, doing throwing everything at him uh, in his arsenal. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And then the next five to 10 minutes, he's bumping around, you know, like like Shawn Michaels does. I mean, he's yeah. just all over that ring, man. It, it's so good. Like, I, I keep forgetting how good Shawn Michaels was back then. Yeah. So and Yeah. Looked good. Like I say, like, uh, there, there's nothing wrong with the match. I mean, Vader looked good. He looked, um, I mean, he might have been sucking a little bit of air here and there, but I mean, for the most part, he was doing really good. Um, the spot that he fucks up and Sean throws a hissy fit at, you wouldn't even really know it was a fuck up until Sean makes you it, know it was yeah. a fuck up. Yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, oh my God. It's so bad. I feel bad for Vader because, like, he just, you could hear Sean just screaming at him, You're stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> stupid. And then he just fucking stops him right in the head, like just like a vicious, like could have broken his skull, man. Like I don't know, it was so bad, yeah. And you could tell Vader, like you could, you could tell Vader's flustered after that. You could you could see it in his face, man. Like, oh yeah, the red is not from from sucking air. The red is from embarrassment, and he wow. doesn't really know. Yeah, you could tell he, he's off his game a little bit after that happens. But I mean, I thought that match was great. Said yeah, Vader doesn't really do anything after this. Calls himself know. a fat piece of shit, takes off his mask, and then that's kind of the end of that when it comes to Vader, which is really, oh, yeah. really sad because, you know, I was a WWF guy. Pro wrestling wasn't called pro wrestling. It was rewatching WWF. And uh, one of the only guys that I knew from WCW that never touched the WWF ring was vader like uh i believe he had a a win over hogan too right uh before he ended up leaving so they went over sting a win, a win over hogan went over flair so huge heat amazing big man great worker worked in japan and uh came in with yeah like with a lot of heat that this is a dangerous guy retired the razor ramon character never to be seen ever again you know taking all that heat and then uh and then, yeah, I guess the plan was for uh, Sean and him to have a match at SummerSlam. And then I don't know if there was one in between and it was going to end at Survivor in Series. What's that? Yeah, the in your houses. So they probably were done in September and then October and then November for Survivor Series for uh, first. Play. Right. Yeah. Or was it? Yeah, because there was one. Um, there was an in your house called "It's Time," which is was a yeah. Vader thing, right? But Vader wasn't even on the card, so I think Vader was meant to be main eventing that one with Sean, and just didn't happen. Happened? No, it's unfortunate, you know. But talk about the SummerSlam though. That SummerSlam it was a really odd show that year. First match was Owen Hart versus Savio Vega. No memory. 
no memory, right? I know exactly. And when I, when I put it on, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this probably looks good on paper, but I mean, I don't know. The, it, the crowd was firmly behind Owen Hart in this mm. one. Uh, wow. When he put the sharpshooter on, the fans went wild. I mean, it, I don't know. It was not good. And then you have Psycho Sid versus the British Bulldog. Another odd pairing, another odd match. But Sid is over like gangbusters here, man. He comes out. And Vince is like, wow, the crowd loves Sid. And Sid came out and he was getting the crowd going, raising his arms, you know. Like I think I think this is the moment where, where Vince realized, okay, this guy is gonna be our next main inventor. I mean, like it, yeah, it, he just had the crowd in the palm of his hand, man. Good stuff. Catch me up because so that was as Sid was doing that, he was already getting over, and that's not even the first time, really, because Sid, even when he was in WCW as uh, with the Dan Levy tag team, they were getting right. over. Yeah. And then when he was with Hogan, he got over on Hogan too. Fans were cheering uh, Sid over Hogan in 1992. And it doesn't like, and I love Sid too, but I don't know why. And in 1995, when um, Sean was turning face, they had Sid was his uh, bodyguard. They had Sid powerbomb Sean three or four times in the ring. Yeah. The crowd was cheering Sid. They didn't realize that Sean was supposed to be the turning face there. They're 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 cheering Sid. So, yeah, that was a weird one because Sean was very dismissive of him, right? And said, I, "I'll you know leave the big man. You could take the night off or whatever." And then Sid said, yeah. uh, "You don't give me the night off. You don't give me nothing." And um, I mean, uh, just super over. I guess it's just like sheer. Well, he has a great look. Was not a great wrestler. Um, he, you know, has a reputation of just messing up all the time when it comes to doing promos. Um, the two off the top of my head is the one where he um, starts to do a promo and he asks Jr. if he can restart it, and Jr. says, "We're live, pal." And, yeah. And then the other one in WCW later on in his career where he says that Kevin Nash is half the main man that he is and that he has half the brain that Kevin Nash has. <laughs> and Sid is so good that even all these years later, he insists that he said the line right. That's the way that they told him to say it. He won't. He's such a liar. Yeah, so I, I love Sid, and like I said, I'm not really sure why. But, you know, and to give the guy sort of his due as well, like, I mean, the Psycho Sid character, and a little after this, we'll see it's him against Sean in the 97 Royal Rumble, and I don't know if you've ever seen the infamous, I don't know if it's infamous or famous or that well-known, but it's uh, Sid in the ring in the empty arena the day or so before, and he's uh, cutting a promo to camera and it's, you know, really just like whispering for the most part. And just like, it's that old Jake Roberts thing where it's like, he didn't have to yell, but he would eventually yell, but he didn't have to, he could get you in the palm of his hand. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm big, uh, big Sid fan, Sid hall of fame. Come on, do it. Okay. So we're, uh, you got anything else? The only other thing from the 96 SummerSlam that I remember is, uh, Paul Bearer turning on Undertaker, right? In the boiler room match. Boiler room brawl. Yep. Mankind versus Undertaker. Good stuff. Yeah. In order to win the match, you had to beat the, the shit of each other in the boiler room and then make your way to the arena, to the ring where Paul Bearer will be standing and you would have to take the urn from Paul Bearer. That's how you won. After a spot where Mankind is on the ring apron and he flies backwards smacks his head off the concrete oh yeah 
Yeah, yeah, the famous mankind spot. Taker goes into the ring, hands, you know, puts his hand out on his knee, the you know, old school Undertaker style, waiting for the urn, and then you know, Paul Bear takes the urn and crack smacks him over the head. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe that. And this was even after the Tatanka thing. They got me again. I never thought that Paul Bearer would turn heel. I couldn't imagine Paul Bearer with anybody else but the Undertaker. But he would go against him, and it would be, I think, probably like, I mean, not even probably, like, definitely a good career move for all three men that are involved. They all went on to be way, way better and stronger and involved in each other's programs for pretty much the rest of their careers. Absolutely. And this was the second big pay-per-view of 1996 where Mankind beat Undertaker. He beat him at the King of the Ring 96. I forgot to mention that match, too, earlier. Was that a casket match or was that a, a real regular? No, match? the King of the Ring was there was a normal one on one match. Oh, wow. and man, he beat him, beat Taker. Cool. Um, and SummerSlam '96, as I said here with the Boiler Room Brawl, uh, said, "Yeah, it's mankind's career just took off, especially with the addition, as you just said, of Paul Bearer. Um, they would do better things, and this whole thing would bleed into Paul Bearer bringing in Kane, mm-hmm. and then we all." Undertaker uh, in 1997, 1998. Uh, oh my God, yeah, it's good. Shit, then is that uh, Hell in a Cell match? I mean, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. They're they're in, involved with each other for the rest of their careers. It's pretty impressive. Catalyst. Between King of the Ring and SummerSlam, this is the catalyst, the begin of the beginning of all this stuff. It's all the seeds being planted here. It's all starting right here. So this is good shit to go back and watch. Love Beautiful, it. yes, a great time in, in all of our lives. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Aaron Bishop, what do we have going on after uh, the Summer Slam? Always like that Brett did that, by the way. He always called it the Summer Slam uh, for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Try to do that. We'll skip to November. We'll go to the Survivor Series here now. Not a really whole lot happens unless, unless there's something you want to you want to talk about over those couple months. No, you know? not really. I mean, we sort of touched on that the transition happens now. Sean had always been comfortable working with Big Sid and did not like working with Vader because, ironically, he like I said, he thought Vader was too uh, hard in the ring, even though Sean kicked him in the face. Sean said that he didn't want to work with him anymore, and Sean was getting whatever he wanted at this point in time. I think it was actually Sean that requested this program with Sid. They are friends in real yes. life. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think Sean actually said that he would drop the title to Sid and nobody else. The so, boys, like, all of the clique really liked Sid. Uh, yeah. It's like Kevin it's, Nash it's, loves him. Kevin Nash loves him. Would do business with him, and and he put Razor Ramon, uh, jur- like in that Psycho Sid turn after he beat up Sean. I remember he was taking on Ramon in the main event of Raw, and Sid ran through the pyro and attacked Ramon from behind, and Razor got carried out on a stretcher. I couldn't fucking believe it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> never thought i'd see the bad guy in that kind of state but he ran through and they kept on replaying him running through i mean you know i i don't know if there's a real sid udi or if sid is actually psycho sid that's how well he played that character speaking of which psycho characters being introduced at this time brian pillman was thrown into the mix at this time too he had a quick interview at king ring 96 just basically telling people who he is and he looked fucked Dude lived his gimmick, that's for sure. And then they had a cool moment where Austin was coming into his match for against Jake, and then Pillman was walking back to the. So they kind of crossed to his. Oh past. yeah, 
Well, way. Of course, Pillman and Steve Austin were tag team uh, in WCW as the Hollywood Blondes. Yeah, awesome tag team. Yeah, but yeah, Pillman was fucked. Uh, we need to do a deep dive into Pillman one of these days. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, it's a pretty quick uh, career. But uh, the stuff that he was doing in WCW, and even uh, I always loved the fact that he was with the Heart Guys, even though he was the only one that had no relation to them whatsoever. They just had him around. Yeah. It's so good. It, this, that yeah, it's so good. Well, we'll we'll get into Pillman one of these days. But um, for right now, I think it's time we did our watch along to the main event of Survivor Series 1996. Another great pay per view, by the way. If <laughs> once again, if you've never seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time, go back and watch this pay per view. We had the first match, uh, first pay per view match of Stone Cold and Bret yes. Hart. Just as good, in my opinion, as their Mania 13 match. I love the promos going into it. And this is where I'm, as far as I'm concerned, this is Attitude Era begins. You see the promos leading up to the Brett and Stone Cold match. And it's Stone Cold, black and white. Uh, the editing is so different and new. And the way that Austin is speaking is so rough. And it's really cool. Like, they're starting to get hip here. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, what else do we have? Is oh yeah, The Rock makes his debut on this one as Rocky Maivia. Uh, we get to see a Superfly splash from Superfly Jimmy Snuka in this one. I mean, there's there's so much on this pay per view. There's great tag team action. There's just great. Is the whole pay per view is great, top to bottom. Love it. Um, well, well, I guess what we're uh, we'll 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 clue it up at the end of that. But for now, yeah. But for now, we're gonna see John Michaels versus Michael. WF champion. At WrestleMania 12, Shawn Michaels' dream became reality. For seven months, Shawn has been living the dream while a friend and one time nemesis was struggling with reality. <laughs> yeah, the promos. You know, a lot WWE has been said how the good the promos were. The UFC completely took it from the WWF, and, and this is when they start getting really good. Vader. Davey Boy. Not bad. The enemy is trust. For Sid. The enemy has always been from within. An endless struggle with sanity. I can see it, he's frothing at the mouth right now. This guy's ready to explode any second. With Sean's friendship, Sid had found rationality. But as of late, a series of misunderstandings have bred contempt. And the specter of the title has fueled a psychotic desire. You kicked me right in my face. Mistake <laughs> or not, there will be no mistake in Survivor Series, my friend. What are you going to do this Sunday when I'm gunning for you? And believe me, with that chin you're sporting, I can hit it from anywhere in Madison Square Garden. You're going down for the World Wrestling Federation Champion. Shawn Michaels has unleashed a psychotic monster. <laughs> I mean, anytime you put a mic in front of Sid, it, you never know if it's going to be the most amazing thing or if it's just going to be a disaster. It's on the edge. Look at that classic music. Yep. Speaking of classic, they reserve the uh, pulsating music for these big matches. Yes. Yes, the fascinating music, yeah. He's so tall, and he, he looks great in a vest. 
It's walking uh, backstage right now towards the ring as we hear that music. And here it is, folks. The greatest entrance. Listen to Madison Square Garden. This entrance makes Patrick very hard all the time. <laughs> he loves it. It is a good entrance. Hell yeah. Introducing the challenger from West Memphis, Arkansas. <laughs> he shouldn't oh. be doing that as a heel. <laughs> no, he shouldn't be doing that. He's coming out. Heel Sid is fist pumping all the fans as he's going to the ring. Asking him who's the man. They're telling him who's the man. They even have to acknowledge it. Right? He hits this. Love it. First introduction of the guy, this odd thing of a guy with a camera in the shot. Foreshadow, Mr. Aaron Bishop. But there's no question, Sid has the advantage in terms of power. John Michaels has made a lot of money beating up guys bigger than him. Vince liked that one. Got Vince to crack for that little one. What a WWF Survivor Series this has been, ladies and gentlemen. SID suddenly I'm dominant. Probably thought that when he's about 12 years old. He was over six feet tall when he's 12 years old. JR just making up stats right there he off the top. World Wrestling Federation for some time, and now his moment has arrived. Will he be the next I love that music too. That's a Jim Johnson original right there. You got the little girls screaming there. So, I mean, Jose Lothario. Yeah, I know. Hey, it's not. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, you just. Wow. So, fans are manhandling Shawn Michaels right now. They're just like grabbing at him. And we have a little, yeah, a little stripper a little kid. kiss. <laughs> just ridiculous. Shawn is the maker of his own demise in this because if, if it was Vader, arguably he would have been met with a baby face uh reaction but this is msg and like you said it sounded like vader was starting to get over with the audience during their uh SummerSlam match yeah he uh there's there's definitely a few male supporters going for vader in that SummerSlam match 100 yeah he's just like you said he sort of built him up as being this unlikable kind of baby face where he's gonna take your wife and you know it's not great arrogant piece of shit like i don't understand <laughs> he doesn't he didn't have like the kind of cool qualities that a guy like scott hall or a guy like kevin nash had where they could get over sean just wasn't funny like those guys and he just didn't have the kind of the coolness factor so like we saw in the last episode him at post rockers breakup where he was the cocky heel and the theme song came in yeah perfect for him yeah 100%. made perfect sense he did amazing stuff like coming out with sherry with the, with the with the mirror and then throwing sherry down before doing that the pose that he still does that was awesome oh That's yeah fucking awesome yeah so yeah this here is just i don't know male stripper fuck your wife vibe i don't know don't like it and neither did the fans nice 
It's like a ragdoll is going down. Like, look at these bumps he's already taken. He's already fallen in like six times. You know, and uh, I'd have to go back and watch the 95 Mania 11 match with Diesel, but I don't think that Sean bumped around for his best friend like this at all. No, Sean was trying to make himself look better <laughs> at WrestleMania 11. <laughs> Boo. The match where that famous meme comes from and Sean standing on top of his head, straight up and down. Oh, is it really? Yeah, where he's like, I'm a tree, that that meme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I I remember the the bump for sure. It was yeah, outrageous. It's so Psycho Sid has star stabbed Arn Anderson by this point. I don't know how anybody could trust him, really. Like, I mean if Sid wanted to hurt you or just like stop working with you, everybody back talks about that. Yeah, uh, apparently, Aaron Anderson and Sid back in WCW uh, a few years before this got into an argument in a hotel, and Sid took a pair of scissors and stabbed Aaron Anderson not once, not twice, but multiple times. Multiple times. Said it was in self defense. Yeah. And uh, Aaron was connected, obviously, with Ric Flair, who was may have been booking at that point but sid was notorious for no showing getting injuries when it was softball season not playing ball stabbing a legend and was pushed to the moon multiple time world champion everywhere he went the only two wrestlemanias he appeared in he main evented both of them and i don't know if anybody else has that kind of statistic that anybody that has appeared in more than one wrestlemania main evented them all you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. Plenty of people that only were made of one WrestleMania or went to one Mania. Hmm. Yeah, Punk has never uh, made of WrestleMania. What's that? Yeah, Punk has never uh, made of WrestleMania. And Sid's got two of them. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Michael's go. He's so fast, man. No back problems here. No back problems here. No. You can hear the booze raining in there from the crowd. Sean Sean's hears like, him too. Yeah, yeah, Sean hears him. Yeah. And this is again like the unprofessionalism of Sean. He just comes out. Yeah, it's so bad, man. Again, as I mentioned earlier, the vertical base has been destroyed. Psycho Sid doesn't have that leverage advantage. Let's go, Sid. Is that what I. John's tactician skills, yeah, JR's right. He's very underrated as far as tactical skills or technician. Yeah. He's a really good wrestler. Not just high flying, bumping around the end. He can actually do shit and wrestle. Who do you think uh, is the Shawn Michaels of the current generation? I have no idea. Um, no idea? Oh, yeah, you don't watch. Is that why you don't know? Seth Rollins, they say. I don't know if you'd put AJ Styles in there. Kenny Omega. If we're going like in, in ring skill wise, probably AJ would be the closest. Yeah, AJ is one of the, uh, it's kind of like Sean. If whenever Sean cared, Sean could get a match out of anybody. Ric Flair actually says about his Mania match with uh, Razor, uh, the ladder match. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but. Uh, Rick says that ladder match, that match at Mania 10 is uh, the night that Shawn Michaels had a five-star match with a ladder. <laughs> no, he did not say that. Oh, yeah. How can Rick say that? Come on. 
Scott Hall was fantastic in that match. He played his part for sure, but I mean, definitely the highlight reels are all from Sean flying around and all that stuff, but, except for the iconic moment where he's holding up both titles at the top of the ladder. He said that uh, that pitcher made uh, many, many dollars off of signing that pitcher. Oh, I bet. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. So Sean's really grounded, the big guy here. He's got good psychology going, good wrestling. Yeah, pretty much this whole, uh, the past five minutes of this match has just been Sean chopping the legs of Sid, doing figure four leg locks, kicking his knees, chop locks, stuff like that. Uh, right. just uh, threw Sean into the turnbuckle and he's now starting to get a little bit of offense back. But yeah, for the most part, it's been all Shawn Michaels beating up on Sid. Now, the uh, next major pay-per-view after this is 97 Royal Rumble in the uh, Alamo, or Alamo Dome, right? Which it was this past year, uh, so Shawn Michaels' hometown. And the finish of this match. <laughs> there you go. That's good. Look at that. That was all set up. It's good, yes. Yeah, little So uh, the cameraman was in Sid's way on the apron, and Sid is shove the cameraman out of the way more foreshadow of what's to happen later but yeah so sean uh thinking about himself primarily wanted to make sure that he'd have a big moment in the alamo dome where he uh, as i mentioned uh, earlier would go on to face uh sid again yeah so sean um would go on a eight-week vacation 10-week vacation after this, paid vacation. Oh, would he? Yeah, because Brett's back. The Federation is really directionless around this time, you know? Like, I I, I mean, you said so yourself going through uh, all of the pay-per-views this year, you know? They were they were good, but highly forgettable for the most part. Yeah. It's so weird because, like you said, King Ring 96, after watching, it's like, this is a really good pay-per-view, but I don't – it's not one of those pay-per-views that I go back and remember and think about, you know? Like, it's just – I don't know, man. So you have this whole, this whole 1996, this whole year, they have decent pay-per-views, decent matches, but you said there's nothing that really uh, sticks out in, in the mind. Uh, I think the Boiler Room Brawl sticks out more than most here, just because it's... Yeah, and the uh, Austin 316 speech, obviously. Austin 316 speech, yeah. And then... Uh, Sean coming down from the rafters. So, like, I mean, it does have its moments that is was, yeah. etched in, you know, in, in uh, the iconography, the WWF, but nonetheless. The, the Mankind Shawn Michaels match. Uh, even yeah. that, like, that's a really good match, but it just, it doesn't get talked about. It's not remembered. It's just, I guess it's like it, there's no real story, you know, as we're recording this, the bloodline storyline is going on and is the main focus of the wwe right now and you know once sean's boyhood dream came true there didn't seem to be really much focus in in what he's going on you know he's going and facing david boy smith because you know david boy is jealous that his wife you know and, and yeah I, like i don't remember any of the actual story beats of the vader or of this you know so i guess it's really like raw wasn't really must see television at this point and 
they weren't doing their moments. Their pay-per-views were good, but it didn't seem like there was much happening on their weekly television. Right. Whereas WCW, NWO, going crazy. They're just running wild at this point, yeah. And it's funny because WWE pay-per-views, it's like their mid-card isn't the greatest, but their main events are really good. But WCW, the mid-card was really, really good. The main events weren't that good, so... Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, Sid's not too bad in the ring. But he's these big men, you know? Um, they don't really need to be doing too much other than, like, the kicks and the punches and slam here and there. But, you know, everybody sort of makes fun of uh, Kevin Nash for only having five moves, but I think uh, Sid's don't, th- doesn't even have that. He has a power bomb and a couple of kicks. You know, power bomb, you get the choke slam. Yeah. Uh, yeah, punch kicks. I mean, you can't even call a punch kick or, or like a move. move. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he only has the choke slam and the power bomb, and that's it. <laughs> Amazing. You don't need much. To, well, some people need a lot, but if you're over, you don't need a lot. I mean, what moves did Lex Luger have besides the uh, the torture rack and the forearm? Yeah, the elbow. Yeah. No, well, yeah. And so the dynamics of this match is really thrown off because Sean is out there trying to get the sympathy of the fans with these desperate kickouts and doing the, um, is it the Ricky Morton where you're like reaching for the fans to get them yeah. to, you know, and uh, they're not, uh, they're not really feeding back to him. Right. They're just, they're just cheering a, a much bigger man whipping the champion's ass right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I think the fans are a little tired of seeing this full rotten brat like Shawn Michaels losing his cool in the ring, you know, throwing his tantrums and being a dick to Jose Lothario. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> it comes across on the screen, man. Like people aren't stupid; they can feel it. You know, like yeah, yeah. He doesn't really try to hide it either, which is. Um... I think that maybe he just didn't have the confidence in himself either. Um, well, I mean, he had confidence in his abilities, but I think that he, um, I think that he probably didn't think that people liked him. If that makes any well, sense. Yeah, he's um, really insecure. There you go. Exactly. It's kind of like when uh, people were booing Ronda Rousey and she couldn't hide her contempt for it. That happened a year or so ago when fans turned on her. And yeah. and she just you you could see that it was hurt that it hurt her because she's insecure. Exactly. Yeah. All right, that's crazy. That's All right, or impressive, whatever you want to say, Jr. What's this million dollar dream? Million dollar <laughs> dream. Deep into wow. the book. Yeah. <laughs> deep into the bag here. Crowd booze. <laughs> they really don't like and that. Now they're popping. Oh, so that's pretty good. Guy poke, yeah. Guy poke. He's feeding into it. I love hearing Vince trying to justify all. Uh, he kind of did with Hogan too. Beautiful, beautiful. Look at it. And going crazy. He's get the crowd going, man. He's so good. Yeah. That that regard, he's really good. Yeah. There's a story though that Vince came to him and said, "You know, I want you to be the next babyface champion." And uh, Sid apparently said to him, "I don't know. I kind of think the money's in me being a big old heel." Vince and turned him down for the babyface role, according to Kevin Nash. I mean, if Sid was a full-on face, I don't think it would have worked. No, 
I can't even imagine it. Weird because he's such a badass heel. You know? Yeah, completely agree. I love this version of JR. Yeah. It's before he sort of turns into a gimmick. Yeah. He presents it like he's been doing his homework on people, like that thing about uh, Sid being over six feet tall when he was 12 years old. He's been doing his research. People stick up for JR and uh, his treatment uh, by Vince and the company and like all the things that they've done to him. But I get the impression that JR is probably a bit of a, a bit of a prick in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, got the, the camera, camera now. This is the camera. Jose, Lothario. Oh. Oh, yeah. And Sean has him beat. Sean has him beat. Did hit Jose Letheria with the camera. Sean hit sweet shit music. And instead of going for the cover, Sean is now looking at his manager, his mentor, yeah. and he's worried. I mean, Never the... take their eye off the pods. Thinking that Sean would value the life of this old man over his championship reign, it involves more suspension of disbelief than The Undertaker floating up to the building in 94 Rumble. <laughs> like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Sid's all business, man. There it is. Take me home, big man. Yeah, time to go home. Oh, no. What? There's more shenanigans? He does not care about the referee. No. No. <laughs> is he going to hit it? Yes. Still getting cheered. Was he swearing? Really about to tell you, 1996, how much of a fucking asshole Shawn Michaels is. Yeah. Or to get this crowd uh, cheering Sid after all this, after hitting an old man with the camera, hitting him with the camera. It, yeah. You know, I, I'm ashamed to admit that uh, before this match, I had no idea that getting struck in the chest with a camera could result in a heart attack, Bishop. Smarten me up. Did you know that it's the leading cause of deaths with video cameras is heart attacks? Oh, yeah. The big power bomb. Boom. No sandbagging there. I wish you would have pinned him foot on chest, though. There's no way that Sean would have let him do it. All right. He does. He stays down. The people love it. Now, if I remember correctly, after this, Sean just gets up and doesn't even care. Just goes directly back to Jose. So, like, it effectively saying that the the win of Sid does not matter whatsoever. No, no. It takes everything away from it. Yeah. Sid looked great with that belt. I mean, he wasn't a good champion, but he looked good with the belt. Like, when he had that belt around his waist, it looked good. Michaels ends up winning the title back from Psycho Sid at Royal Rumble, as we mentioned earlier in January, shortly after this. And the plan was, 
for Sean and Brett to have a rematch from WrestleMania 12 at WrestleMania 13, where Sean would drop the title back to Brett. But oh, as sir. we all know, Sean Michaels um, lost a smile. injury. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he comes out on TV and he said that he lost his smile. He can't do this no more. And he uh, forfeits the championship. And that results in a fatal four-way match between Brett, Vader, Taker, and Austin Stone. Yeah, yeah. Austin. With the winner Brett taking on. Brett. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, so that was Brett's fourth. And it was really cool, actually. It was when their booking started to get a little bit more sophisticated because Brett and Stone Cold, they're going to fight at Mania. And so a heated rivalry, you know, it's been going on, you know, Stone Cold for a year or whatever. They had this match at Survivor Series. And then that night, Austin is interfering in the match to help Brett win because he wants Brett to go to Mania with the title because then he gets yeah, the championship yes. match. Yes. Yes. So very cool stuff. So Bish, uh, you know, thank you for indulging me and in going back and looking at 96. Like I said, I wanted to see it because it's one of those years that we never really remember as we talked about. What's your uh, overall thoughts of it? What was your experience uh, going back through this again? Not as bad as I remember it being. Well, folks, you heard it there first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually uh, 96 is actually a really decent year. It's actually decent. It's not. It's not bad. Like, I, I know. I know. We um, don't really remember it, and not a whole lot that's memorable. But as far as the in-ring quality goes, pay-per-views. I mean, fuck, it's decent. Like, it's it's good. It's good. It's not. It's not terrible. It's not 1995. It's not mm-hmm. 1993. You know, it, it's it's good. It's good. Nice. All right. So there you go, folks. Do yourself a favor. Go back, watch this stuff, relive your childhood, or discover it for the first time. Uh, Aaron, I think we're pretty much done for this week. Once again, thank you so much uh, for getting this on the go. Uh, had another great time. I don't know what we'll be getting into next. I guess we'll announce that uh, at the start of the episode next week. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have a poll running up this week, and uh, if anybody wants to vote, they can go to bwfpodcast.com. You know what? Let's not do a poll. Any, anybody out there, if you're listening, if there's something that you want to hear, if you have something that you want us to go over, please reach out. Tell us through the BWF podcasts at gmail.com or through Facebook Messenger. You can always get a hold of me that way as well. Let us know and, and we'll go through it. Okay. Well, until then, Mr. Aaron Bishop, thank you very much. See you next week. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.